Hello and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast. I'm Richard Sparrison, Editor-in-Chief of Europe at Montel, and today we're in Paris at our French Energy Day. The topics up for discussion are renewables, what France is doing to expand its green energy, but also we're looking at the nuclear and the place it has in the French energy mix and uh, nuclear safety issues. Today is my great pleasure to be joined by Yara Chaktura, Managing Director at Vattenfall Substitute. At Vattenfall subsidiary, Vattenfall Elolian. Uh, Yara, welcome to, to the Montel podcast. We're at the Montel Energy Day, and we've heard a lot about uh, France's ambitious plans to expand its renewable capacity. Could you tell us a little bit about that, and how confident are you that these targets can be met? Well, thank you for having me first. Uh, just uh, one word about Vattenfall. So Vattenfall is one of the leading energy provider in Europe, and uh, we've been in France since 18 years now mm. as supplier of electricity and gas, first for businesses and since uh, late 2018 for customers as well. So France indeed has set an ambitious multi-annual energy plan uh, for the next uh, five years up until 2028, which we salute in the sense that it does meet the 40% electricity renewable electricity in the energy mix that France is targeting. Um, now, one dark point we see in this multi-annual energy plan at the moment is uh, the lack of ambition when it comes to offshore wind targets. Sure. So, from our perspective, offshore wind has proven that it is a competitive and a job-creating uh, industry. Um, mm. So on the one hand, if we talk about competitiveness, we, for instance, at Vattenfall have proven that competitiveness through several of our projects. In 2016, we won the first project that was under 50 euro per megawatt hour, uh, Danish Kriegerslag in mm. Denmark, and we've taken investment decision for this project late mm. 2018. Mm. So we're proving that it is feasible. Absolutely. Vattenfall is a very big player in offshore wind. Uh, you've committed yourself to, to be carbon-free within a generation. But what's, why, is, why is France lagging behind here? What, what are the reasons? Well, first, the first project that we're launching in 2012 and 2014 were the very first project in France. And France has a huge potential when it comes to offshore wind considering their sea facade and as well as the wind um, mm. conditions here. Now, the first project were in a regulatory framework that were not specifically adjusted to uh, the development of offshore wind and those very long projects. So once you won, you couldn't actually change or easily change the technical description of your project. Mm. Otherwise, you had to update your permits, and mm. then you could again and again be subject to recourses and legal challenges, which drags along and keeps on dragging, dragging on the projects. Sounds very inflexible. It was. Now, the government has made lots of simplifications mm -hmm. uh, over the past years. Uh, in particular, late last year, in 2018, they passed what we call the Loi ESOC, so mm -hmm. simplification law, mm. which enables now to set up a permit envelope exactly as we are experiencing in the UK. Mm. Uh, so you can, with that process, you can choose the final technology when the project is mature enough to do that and you will choose the best technology for the development of the site, mm. both from an environmental standpoint, both from a competitive standpoint so that you have the best projects in, in the time. Mm -hmm. 
So I think there's a little bit of discussion today about PPAs, and that, that's a big part of Vattenfall's, well, it's a, certainly a part of Vattenfall's business in the Nordics, particularly in the Netherlands and the UK. How about France? Why, why, why are things not moving so fast here in terms of PPAs? Well, in general, as the development of renewable energy continues, the need for support mechanism decreases progressively, or the extent of that support decreases. Mm. Uh, now it's a bit still a bit too soon to get out of that support mechanism, uh, otherwise we'll be sending a wrong signal to the market uh, as we need to accompany the stabilization of that renewable market. You don't want to make, you don't want to make retrospective changes to subsidies. Exactly. Yeah, um. Um, so as of today, CFD mechanisms is a very good stabiliz- revenue stabilization mechanism mm-hmm. that should continue to accompany that stabilization. And corporate PPA is a complementary mechanism that provides that revenue stabilization for uh, renewable projects. Now, in, it is developed, as you said, in the Nordics and the UK and Netherlands, uh, but that goes also without hard constraints on signing those PPA, especially mm. having access to the full guarantees of origins of mm. the projects. In France, it's, we're still, and in Europe overall, we're still in an emerging market. In France, uh, you can't actually have access to a guarantee of origin as long as you are in a premium, market premium environment. So as the project get out progressively of those subsidy uh, markets, then the market should definitely develop. And we see initiative starting right now. Mm. It's just it, it, the burgeoning market, it will take a bit longer to develop here. It's at an early stage. And it's it, a yeah. very early stage, yeah. Then if we talk a little bit about the hydro um, the hydro concessions, I know Vattenfall's name actually means water falling. So um, so how the French hydro concessions, how is that developing in, in, in France? Uh, there, there was supposed to be a, a potentially a... Um, uh, decision by the end of the year. Um, I know you're you're more involved with the wind side, but if you could say anything about on on what's happening in France with the hydro concessions. Well, for now, as you may already know, we were obviously part of that adventure in 2010 when the French government initially intended to open the concessions. At the moment, we are we will just wait and see when uh, the government will decide to make the move, and we will decide accordingly. Are there? I mean, France is a country very much dominated by, by nuclear, nuclear power. Are there any sort of barriers from that side in terms of boosting renewables? I mean, are there any... Is, does that... The dependence on nuclear, does that prevent the country from potentially, you know, building more, more offshore or onshore wind? How, how, do, how do you see it? Overall, the French government has sent a consistent signal, which was developing the renewable uh, base over the years, uh, balancing it out with, obviously, the overall budget to support that development. Uh, But consistently now, with that new multi-annual energy plant, we are targeting that 40% electricity from renewable sources by 2030, which is an excellent news. And the government is going to update its energy policy to show we will reach 50% nuclear down from 80% in 2035. Mm. So there is an equilibrium that is changing in that direction of developing the renewable market. The big question that we cannot answer today and that the president has asked to the industry to reflect on is what will happen next? Mm. And we're looking forward to knowing more. And mm. you know, at the moment, we actually cannot say, but what mm. will happen after that 50%? Mm, absolutely. Thank you very much, Yara, for joining us on the Montel podcast. Thank you for All having me. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the next 
part of the pod from the French uh, Energy Day here in Paris. It's my pleasure to have with me here Chris Eels, my colleague from Montel, Jean-Christophe Neal from the IRSN, which, if I'm correct, is the technical arm that advises the French safety authorities. I have that absolutely correct. And Yves Marignac from, from WISE Paris. Jean-Christophe Passain, what, what, what is your role? Can you t- explain a little bit about the work that you do in France? So IRSN is a public organization assessing the, the nuclear risk. So it means uh, at the same time uh, performing research mm-hmm. to understand more precise disease risk and, and giving uh, advice based on technical opinion mm. and expertise work to the uh, safety authorities which have to decide. Mm. So, so you're performing a very key role in ensuring that French nuclear plants are, are safe. Uh, nuclear safety is, uh, is uh, technically and scientifically uh, based, mm-hmm. and RSN is providing uh, technical and scientific uh, advice mm-hmm. on the uh, project of uh, uh, the industry to uh, give uh, advice to the safety authority. Mm-hmm. And so we can be fairly sure that French nuclear plants are very safe? If uh, IRSN had any point uh, showing that it is not safe, we, we would uh, say it to the Nuclear Safety Authority and we would say it publicly. Mm-hmm. Which you have done on, on several occasions and very re- quite recently you had an announcement on Trikastan, is that correct? Uh, Could you talk us a little bit about your role there? Last year, uh, at the end of 2017, uh, IRSN identified weaknesses in the dike surrounding the Trikastan plant mm. and we recommended to the French Nuclear Safety that the plant uh, be stopped and the dike uh, comforted uh, to uh, deal with uh, the safety risk. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that has now been resolved? That's perfectly... perfectly uh, follow, following this, uh, ISN has requested uh, EDF to stop the reactor and to uh, comfort the dike, which has been done then. To, to round off, because I know you're a very busy man and you have to be somewhere else. Um, what are the current issues that you are looking at? some of the, the technical issues in the French nuclear fleet. So the major issue we are working on at the present time is uh, the, the licensing of EPR, mm-hmm. the uh, new Generation 3 uh, reactor built by EDF uh, in Flamanville. And uh, we are also involved in the assessment on, on, the, on the conditions uh, to, to, to allow the, the continuing operation of 900 megawatt reactors. Mm-hmm. We are also uh, involved in the issues uh, connected uh, with waste management. Jean-Christophe had, had to leave us, uh, Eve, but uh, thankfully you're, you're here to, to explain, uh, explain your position. How, how, how would you react to that and the discussion today in, in, uh, at the French Energy Day? Well, um, I think, uh, first, of, first of all, I mean, it, there's a technical analysis done by uh, institutional players like IRSN, with, who have uh, a lot of manwork to put uh, in, in that kind of thing. Our, our position at Wise Paris is uh, much more modest. We are, you know, trying to identify uh, issues, critical issues, and develop some uh, analysis mm. to challenge mm. the institutional one on this. And... Um, my concern is less with the uh, kind of technical assessment that IRSN could provide mm. in the system today than, on one hand, with the uh, loss of capacity of the operators mm. to deliver on safety requirements and mm. quality requirements, and on the other hand, 
regarding the uh, loss of capacity of the safety authority mm. to impose on operators to respect mm. those requirements in due time. So you don't think they have the teeth? That, but that's ASN, really? Uh, there's a lack of power to, to yeah, enforce well, safety standards? I mean, what, what, what we are seeing is an increasing level, an increasing number of issues with non-compliance, quality of fabrication, loss of maintenance, mm. delays in starting some works in completing others mm. and that's partly because the operators are not behaving up to the kind of requirements and the, the level of responsibility that, that is there mm. and partly because ASN seems to lack mm. the means, the mm. power to impose a better behavior mm. on the operators. So the ASN is the safety authority and IRSN, who we've just spoken to, they are just a technical, technical support organization. So, so could you give some examples of this, Eve? Well, uh, a very recent and significant example is the delay in completing the uh, so-called uh, ultimate emergency diesel generators mm -hmm. that uh, ASN uh, required EDF to install on each of its 58 reactors mm -hmm. before the end of 2018. Mm -hmm. The system found out, coming close to that deadline, that the uh, generators would not be in place and ASN had no other option than accepting for uh, the for EDF's demand to mm. postpone installing the, those generators by two years. It's not a direct threat in the sense that if we don't face mm. the kind of very severe seismic situation, for instance, mm. that would require mm. those emergency systems to be there. Mm. I mean, if we don't face that, mm. there's no worries. But mm. if that situation is happening and since Fukushima... It's a requirement that the plants are equipped to face that kind of situation. So this has been pushed... So it's, it's two years delay mm. in upgrading the plants up to that kind of requirement. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So it's, it's a delay of two years um, They sort of because they weren't able to complete on time and that's been accepted by the safety authority. Yeah, that's been accepted. The, the point is that everyone could see that coming. Mm -hmm. And there was no, no kind of backup in the system to, to prevent mm. this situation from happening. Mm. Um, and that is just one example. The problem is that we have tens and even hundreds of situations of that kind, not mm. all of the same importance or uh, as emblematic as mm. the one with those diesel generators, but mm. on almost any commitment mm that the operators would make to the authorities to uh, uh, develop studies or implement works by mm. a certain deadline. Mm. Almost in every case, we found ourselves with delays and uh, the uh, authority being kind of forced mm. to accept that. And, and Chris, do you think that, I mean, we talked a little bit today about uh, potential for, you know, I mean, the, the minister said today, or the, not, she's not the minister, but she's the head of the energy yeah. department at the, at, at the, the French government. She talked about they were very confident. Virginie Schwartz, yeah. She said they were very confident that they would be able to close these reactors and that they'd be... Uh, and, and crucially, extend all the others, because as yeah. you pointed out, Eve, it's about extending 44 reactors. 
Yeah, well, the, the, to an average age of the, the, the real point is whether the industry can face the challenge of extending the lifetime of so many reactors while upgrading mm. their safety level uh, up to the uh, objective that ASN has set, mm. which is coming as close as possible to the safety levels of a new evolutionary reactor like EPR. Mm. So that's a big challenge. And my analysis of the situation is that is actually not possible mm. considering the level of, uh, of uh, capacities, industrial and financial capacities um, of uh, the uh, industry. So there's a huge risk that we find ourselves with a situation where Safety is challenged on one hand, and profitability of extension mm. of life extension is challenged on, on the other end. And of course, those mm. objectives might be uh, contradictory. Um, so there's a huge risk for the industry and the society uh, mm. ahead of us. And uh, my, my feeling is that EDF is uh, is fit en avant. I don't know the, the mm. English word for that. Like you know, uh, uh, pursuing. Um, I mean, there, there's no other way than life extension, starting new projects. Mm -hmm. As I mean, the only escape there. And um, I but think they're also building. To be fair, they're building renewables, aren't they? They're building yeah, wind parks, but, and then they're involved in that. They have a whole. But, but they can't. They can't do everything at the same time. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the the economic pressure is enormous. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I, I really, I really think we are going ahead of a, a situation where the industry can't cope anymore very, very strong decisions and changes might be needed in the how do you future mean it, how to, do you mean it can't to cope, cope with that. How, the, the industry can't cope anymore. I mean, what's, what's the consequence of that? Well, the, the, the consequence is, might be both on the level of safety, mm -hmm. because, because the industrial uh, and financial capacity is not there mm. to deliver uh, to the uh, required level on one hand, and, and on the uh, economics of the uh, electric system and the uh, financial situation of EDF on the other end, mm -hmm. it's, it's likely to be a mix mm -hmm. of, of those two uh, problems. And um, I think that I mean, the, the, the current situation where everyone pretends to believe that it could go on for one or two decades without mm -hmm. any big change, it's clearly a, a, a huge illusion. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to come in, in the coming years to uh, real hard challenges and stronger decisions mm. uh, to be needed. Mm -hmm. And are you confident that the, I mean, the, the government and the board of directors at EDF is capable of making those tough decisions? I mean, it, it's a kind of matter of uh, preferences between, between short-term interest, mm. which is of trying not to change anything, mm. Mm. and long-term uh, life threat. Mm. EDF, its whole industrial strategy and the whole governance system around it need to change mm. dramatically to survive the next decades. Mm. But the pressure for not changing anything in the short term is actually dominating mm. on this 
need for a deeper change. The push for, yeah. for profitability, yeah. etc. Yeah. etc. So what, what's the outlook then? What does this mean for, for renewables in France? And we talked a little bit and I talked to sort of people uh, earlier um, that, that in, the, in this pod about that. So what's the outlook there, especially for wind and solar? I mean, it's France has a huge off- coastline. Yeah, it's very the, sunny in the south. The, the potential is enormous. The desire of many players is, uh, is strong. Uh, it's a it's a huge opportunity for the French industry if it would jump mm. on on these new markets uh, instead of sticking to the old one of mm. the uh, of the nuclear industry. Mm. The concern is that if we stick to the current strategy, which is pretending that we can keep much of the nuclear fleet in place while developing renewables, I mean, mm. we we come to a conflicting situation in economic terms. Mm. Because that leads to uh, oversizing of the uh, French electric system, and that is going to cost. Mm. Um, so the, the risk is that we keep nuclear mm. with potential issues with safety and profitability, but at the same time, without developing renewables as much as we commit to, mm. because there's no room for them. Mm. Exactly. Um, Either economically or in the system. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, no, no room from uh, an economic and institutional perspective. But some would say, because you're sort of an an anti-nuclear campaigner, that you would be very, very critical of this. So you're bound to say this. Well, I'm I'm really uh, denying being an anti-nuclear campaigner. I mean, Mm -hmm. that... That's really not my point. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, turn turn to uh, people at Greenpeace or Réseau uh, Sortir mm-hmm. du Nucléaire, mm-hmm. and you 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 will How see you, different? How you, you will different? see you will mm-hmm. see that they, they they have and they develop very different positions mm-hmm. from mine on, on some critical issues. Mm-hmm. So it's too my, simplistic my, to say that you're yeah, anti and, and and it's I mean, I'm and not me, but Wise Paris is really trying to develop critical analysis, with, which is. An expertise, and I mean, you you don't provide good expertise if you start mm. with an a priori which is pro or anti. Mm. So, mm. Uh, mm. I mean, we, we develop critical expertise, and yes, it's our role mm. to challenge the institutional expertise. So, it, I mean, it would be pointless for us to uh, develop the same kind of view and the same kind of analysis mm. that the operators or the uh, I mean, the industry. Uh, the uh, technical mm. support organization of the authority. So we are there to challenge mm. uh, their views, but based on the same requirements that apply to any kind of expertise, mm. coming back to facts, explaining our analysis, mm. assumptions, conclusions, and the whole uh, reasoning behind it, so, no, in uh, so that it could be uh, argued. Mm. Um, that's what we're, we're here for. And uh, I mean, it... Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a really important role considering mm. the current situation that some players develop this, uh, this, yeah, this kind of challenging analysis. to The, the, the system, mm. I think, desperately needs it. It needs an independent, unbiased yeah. analyst such as yourself. Eve, yeah. thank you very much thank for you. joining the Montel Pod today. Thank, thank you, you for inviting us. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Montel Weekly Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and on the Montel website. Keep up to date with all the latest news on Montel News and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye.